uh, canceling all types of interesting stamps. He joined the Nazi party so that he could use the Nazi party stamps and had them canceled in unusual areas and places. What was and his I always, name? Paul Hennig. Hennig. H-E-N-N-I-G. And I always think to myself, you know, here's Paul Hennig going into uh, Nazi party headquarters with, you know, with armloads full of covers saying, cancel these. Wow. <laughs> and then after he survived the war, and after the war, uh, he went around to the uh, eastern, uh, the local zones, you know, the Russians printed stamps uh, for local cities in the east zone. And, uh, you know, he traveled all about there and made all kinds of uh, really wonderful covers. They, like I say, he's controversial because he's a Nazi party member, but it was it was by design so that he could, you know, get these covers made. So, so he joined the Nazis. Germany also for years allowed you to uh, borrow against your collections, couldn't you? That I wouldn't know about. I had heard about that at one point. If I know the post office, you, you know, the, the post office in Germany, money. you can have savings accounts with the post office. And when I was a student over there, I had a checking account with the post office. Yeah. You can they, do the same thing in the U.S. Up well, until talked the 30s, I believe yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for that. So, so he joined the Nazi party. He joined the Nazi party. So, so that he can make philatelic covers. Yes, indeed. Because, you know, the Nazis, uh, the, the party had special stamps. They're, they're listed under official oh, yeah, stamps yeah, in the yeah. back. And there's t basically two sets, you know, with and without watermark. And, uh, yes, you can find those covers. And all of his covers have Paul Hennig at the bottom in various permutations. Some are labeled, some are written out. And uh, his son who also has to be pretty old, uh, relocated to the Dominican Republic. And uh, he actually sells some of these covers still through APS sales service. Oh, oh wow. And uh, actually, I bought a full set of covers that had the uh, Berlin black Berlin overprints from the 2 Fennig to the 84, not the mark values, right. uh, on cover with the um, Luftbrücke um, air bridge cancellation on there. And it was a pretty good item. So realistically, um, if you see a, a cover, because Hennig put his name on the covers, that's sort of like an expertizing thing. Well, um, you know, with the assurance you have with it is that old man Hennig himself probably had that cover in hand. Yeah. And, and put it through the maelstrom by one means or another. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. they're philatelic. Yeah, obviously. But uh, to my mind, um, you know, at this point, I'm not going to start another collection, but if I did, it would be Paul Henning covers, and it would be a big collection. So there I myself have, <laughs> have found, I'm sorry, I myself have found uh, plate errors. Uh, so he didn't check for plate errors. So I have some decent Henning covers with plate errors on there on top of it. Wow. Wow. I like that. That's awesome. Okay, so... Quickly, before we get started, you are... Dave. Dave, how do you do? And... Uh, Joe. Joe. Okay, so... Um, oh, you're not in this. You're working well, No, I'm just... I'm I'm the audience. He's the... Oh, oh, okay. He's, this he, is, this he's is the, the director. Oh. You know? he, actually, he is a retired head of the drama department over... Nice. The, the, whole, the, art department. the whole art department. I'm in the balcony or mezzanine section. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Don's going to go 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Oh, that then she's question. going to say, welcome to Stamp Show here today. Then I'm going to say I'm Cash and say a joke. Then Stan's going to say, I'm Stan, and pick out whichever one of your jokes. Oh, I wasn't then, planning on any jokes. So then we're going to go this way. So it'll be me, then Stan. Lotar. I don't have any clean jokes, though. That's my problem. Then say that. 
Oh, what about the, the two bad they, puns you put in this? How about, well, here's one. Um, I bet they named oranges before they named carrots. Man, the whole I room guess. got quiet. <laughs> and uh, I find the whole tunneling machine discussion boring. I do have a lot of jokes, but they're all... Oh, there you go. (laughs) Okay, I got one. Okay. So are we ready for a countdown? Um, I think I need to scoot up to the table. And Stan, if you don't move this way, we'll move the microphone back that way. Your choice. I got a joke. Okay. Awesome. Hit it. Five, four... Three, two, one. Hello and happy Father's Day from Stamp Show Steve at the Anaheim Hotel, also known as the Quality Sunday Stamp Show. It is Father's Day and we have a lot of fathers around my booth right now and we just wish them all a wonderful and happy Father's Day. And fathers get to choose to go to a stamp show because that's what we like. And you're listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yeah, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Welcome to Stamp Show Here Today, episode 128 I'm Cash. It was the remark of a Roman council in the early period of the celebrated republic that a most striking contrast was observable in the conduct of the candidates for office of power and trust. Before and after obtaining them, they seldom carried out the latter case, the pledges and the promises made in the former. I'm Stan. And uh, no matter how, how much you push the envelope, it'll still be stationary. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Lotar Below. The only joke I have is my name. Oh. <laughs> LMM Cigarette, 60 years ago, came out with Lotar and Nicotine, and that was all she wrote for me. <laughs> my name is Dave, and I can tell you that stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Oh, oh. I stole Sean's line. Uh-huh. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. What the hell was that? Well, since we're going to talk about the assassinated president, I wanted to give you a glimpse of the first president who died in office, William Henry Harrison. His inauguration address was two hours, the longest in history, 
and that was a little flavor of it. <laughs> By the way, did you know Harrison did not die from pneumonia from giving the inaugural address? Despite the length and the boringness, it killed no one. Likewise, the day was not cold. It wasn't raining. It was rather pleasant, and that's what the newspapers all said. So what did he die of? Glad you asked. Well, it, it is here in the script. <laughs> he died of typhus three weeks after the address. At the time, they didn't know the ger what germ theory was, and they didn't know that having a pile of human waste next to the White House was a bad thing. He died of D.C. bad water. We are working with Turner Classic to colorize our old episodes. Re-listen to them now as they were intended to be seen in full color. <laughs> well, as Cash said today, we are going to talk about the 21st President of the United States, James A. Garfield, who appeared on a good number of stamps. On this day in history, 135 years ago, Charles Guiteau was executed for the assassination of James A. Garfield, the President of the United States. President Garfield died in 1881 and has been on stamps right up to the 22-cent presidential souvenir sheets. His first stamp was issued in February of 1882, just after his death from assassination, which occurred five months earlier. Stan? I actually think uh, he was 20th president, I believe. It says so right here. Well, that must be correct. Was he on the 20-cent stamp prexy or the he was on the 20-cent prexy stamp? Because the 21 cent Prexy stamp was Chester Arthur, my hero. Oh! Yep, so that's a catch correction. Oh my goodness, it is. Uh, <laughs> fire the scriptwriter. <laughs> Typo. So, uh, he's been on a bunch of stamps, and we have uh, everybody here. Who's What's your best Garfield stamp? And Lotar, I'll ask you what your best German stamp was or something later. <laughs> okay. I don't have a best Garfield stamp, per se. I know that there's plenty of them, um, some of which I have, but... Um, I'm going to uh, pass to my neighbor. Here. <laughs> well, besides the common first bureau, I would uh, also say that he looks like he could be the guy on any of the uh, revenues with that beard. Oh, epic beard. Oh, you think I can pass for it? Well, I thought I brought my best regard for it. Oh. oh. <laughs> He's showing the 44-cent Garfield with, uh, God, what's this? What's the, Lodi? Odie. 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 Garfield and Odie. Right. Garfield the cat. Okay. Garfield oh, the cat. let me take a picture of that. We'll put it on the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I need to take a picture of that. Yeah, by the way, everybody can hear the background noise. We are, again, it's sta uh, Stamp Show Steve's Anaheim uh, Stamp Show next to beautiful Disneyland on a nice warm day. We're sitting at my table. Yeah. Sitting at Stan Iceland's table. So, Stan... Now, you have a couple items here. Which will start off with your favorite. What's your favorite? Well, the most interesting, and I thought I just saw it. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. The most interesting that I have is this, which is an essay that was, it shows up in the catalog, and I've seen in several uh, stamp auctions called an essay. It's a 205E2, uh, which is of the... Uh, U.S. number 205 stamp. But if you look at the catalog, it also says this may not be an essay. So I've been trying over the years to try and figure out if it really is or isn't an essay. Well, what would it be if it's not an essay? 
I've had somebody tell me, and I, if anybody out there can confirm this or knows about this, it was printed for the memorial. Ah. Which it possibly could have been, but I have no way of knowing for sure. It's definitely a, a, a large die. It says American Banknote Company on the bottom. And it's issued some with, with the uh, insignia and the number, and I think it's C, what, 42 or something on the bottom? And it does, it does match, the, the medallion does match the it's five a, cent issue of the banknote issue. And it's a vignette, uh, really, just a vignette with a, yeah. with a medallion around it. So uh, I'm not sure what it is. So if have, anybody, you have you checked the individual engraving lines, like on the forehead and the lips and that oh, type it's of def thing? It's definitely uh, part of it, but the, the question was, where was this issued for? It's definitely an essay, and in terms of... That might be something that I don't know if for your listeners, have you talked much about the difference between an essay and a proof? Yes, go, why don't you go ahead and tell them the difference between an essay and a proof, being the expert. Oh, well, I, there's several types of things and we can get into them, but in terms of the essay, well, you usually is a design for a stamp that's being considered. Now, whether or not that stamp gets issued as such if it becomes issues as such they'll do us do a proof and then issue the stamp if they make any change in it or use part of it it's still an essay in this case that this fits with exactly what would be an essay because it doesn't have the five cent doesn't have any of the u.s written on it. it's just the, the basic background design now, with a proof, it becomes like the stamp, an identical to the stamp, where you have the actual stamp, but they actually print it in advance. As, and this, in this case, it's, it happens to be a large die proof of the number 256. And Which is one of the stamps I wanted to go over. Oh, okay. Have you been able to determine whether it's a complete re-engraving, or is it based on, is it based on the engraving from the proof? I, it looks to me to be the engraving from the stamp that was used. Is that in Germany when we're looking for plate errors and that sort of thing and reprints? We look at every last line. Exactly. From a cursory examination of like the cutting of his beard which, you know, would be the most varied. <clears throat> you notice that he has like a little curl coming down from his beard and it's on both the essay and the proof. And the proof is on uh, India paper. But you can see just the fine detail on the side. The Because, I mean, if you were drawing a beard and you drew it two times, they definitely would not match because there's so many different ways that you can have the hair. But if you look especially, and I'm going to give it to Lothar, because he's a gemologist, so he has the best eyes. If you look at the bottom of the right side of the beard, they match almost exactly. I believe Lothar's question is a great question in terms of, it looks to me like the portrait is identical, but when you get around to the background and the the circle or there's a lot of similarities between yes. the two yeah actually i don't see any major differences at this point this is cursory yeah yeah gorgeous example yeah. 
Nice. So if anybody does have any more information about it, uh, we'd love to know. A picture is on Facebook. It's Stamp Show here today on Facebook. You can see what we're talking about, the essay. It is basically the five-cent Garfield issue of 1874, 75, whichever. Uh, it's the five-cent Garfield issue, but it doesn't have the bottom where it shows the denomination. So what else have you got? What else have I got? <laughs> well, you got the chance to see these are the 205s, mm-hmm. which are uh, this uh, uh, India. Uh, this occurs on India paper, and this occurs on card. I always like the card ones because the India ones fall apart too easy. Well, the India ones tend to have a little better image. It jumps out a little more, I think. Yeah. yeah. Because of, uh, I don't know, I assume because of how the ink takes to the paper. Um, how many of these proofs did they typically print? I don't have an answer on this for, one. For I, $20, I it seems like they must have printed a lot of them. Huh? <laughs> well, I'll get into the, I know how many of these were issued. But, for instance, um, generally speaking, the Proofs on India paper were usually printed earlier on in terms of before the stamp was issued. Whereas the the plate proofs a lot of times were issued in uh, like the 1880s when collectors were found uh, were wanting wanting these and the bureau re- reprinted a lot of these for collectors. These were primarily yeah, printed for, for collectors, collectors the, as opposed the, to technicians yes, involved yeah, with the printing exactly. process. Yeah, yeah the, you, you see the technicians, they get them on normal stamp paper and India paper. They get on India paper so you can see the nice clear impression and find out if there's any faults to it if you know they accidentally drew a horn on Garfield or something like that whereas uh, the plate paper is checking out the actual plate seeing if it's laid out correctly and then the card proofs I heard that a lot of times they were printed for uh, not only collectors but also for foreign countries to show the stamps that were being printed and you also would find somewhere is India paper on card Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but now tell them about the rarity one, the rare one. Oh well, this we're going to hear. Well, I'm going before. Okay, we'll talk about this. Is the Roosevelt die, and we talked about it at the last uh, um, time we got together. Eighty-five of these were printed, and they were printed in uh, 1903 by President Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my president, yes, okay. at that time. Well, he didn't print them, he no, my, yeah. his request. <laughs> yeah. And the Bureau of Printing and Engraving and printed these books with about, I think it was 302 stamps, and they're all on card. Which were there can, investigations regarding these special printings? Actually, there were. There were. They, th- yeah. they thought that he was giving them away as like political favors and they had big value to them. But, but finally, they kicked it out and said, who cares? He, he, he was such a popular president that he was able to give out this quote-unquote graph in corruption without anybody caring. They were definitely given to dignitaries. Yeah. yeah. And the problem was is they were stamped. So you could conceivably cut them out, put them on a letter, which means he was giving away, you know, 12 or $13 worth of postage. Have they ever been discovered on, on cover? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. And there's, of the 80... Five books. I think there's at least thirty of them still in existence. Well, I know I saw one go at H.R. Harmon. I could be wrong on the number, but yeah, and they go for a lot of money. Yes, yes. 
what I have here. Oh, well, we, did you run? Where are you going with this? Next one is the uh, first bureau issue. And this is the one I wanted to talk about because we can get a little bit into the different colors of the stamp. Well, these are large die proofs of that uh, US number 256. This is the actual stamp color, and this is a shade variety. So you can see. And I think there were three different shades. I only were, was able to give one. Give one. Do these uh, colors have names such as well, reddish lake. brown or brownish yeah. red? Or well, Charlotte no, one, or one, one, is, one is lake and the other one is, I forget what the other one is. One of these is lake? No, no, uh, of the, no, both, neither one of those is lake. The, the lake is a different one. So you have lake and you have... What do they call it? Because I always have two food, dull brown. Dull brown, yeah. Which I don't is, see a. Where's the lake? A lake is uh, the uh, first oh. bureau. Oh, the first bureau. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where they recolored them to match the UPU colors. Mm. Were these? Weren't these stamps at one point printed on revenue paper? Yes. Is that Garfield, or am I mistaken? Nope, it is indeed. Uh, these show up on USIR watermarked paper by accident, and the Garfield is very expensive. The eight cent Sherman is less expensive, but still way, way up there. So yeah, check the watermarks. The problem is, is that it's USIR, and the normal one is USPS. So the I can look like a P. So it's actually, you have to look at the R. You either have to have a perfectly centered I that shows the top and the bottom, or you have to show the leg of the R. Which because, will not always be present on the stamp. Right, you could have a USIR stamp, but if it shows the U, you have no way of proving it. If it shows the S, you have no way of proving it. It's got to show either the I or the R, and the I can look like the leg of a P. By the way, is it true that Garfield was buried in Garfield's tomb? <laughs> or is there somebody else who is in Garfield's tomb? I don't think it's Grant. No, Grant wasn't buried in Garfield's tomb. No. Okay, just to set the record straight. <laughs> Hold on. Garfield was buried at his house in uh, where the train stopped by. Yeah. Was, was it in uh, Ohio or New Jersey? I, I forget, but they actually built a spur of the railroad track that pulled up in front of his house. Correct. So that he can be at his house. Uh, in comfort when he died, yeah. yeah. He probably would have died anyway, but the doctors certainly didn't help in this one. Oh, no, they didn't. Yeah, he, he, if he was around today, he'd have a major malpractice case against uh, his well, doctor. They didn't see uh, antiseptic as a, as a good thing. I oh, mean, yeah. Mr. Uh, had proven it uh, with his... Uh, nope. his uh, well, my favorite story is uh, Alexander Graham Bell, who's on several stamps, so it relates to stamp collecting. He invented a metal detector in order to find where the bullet is because they couldn't find where the bullet was. Mm -hmm. Well, he, he was allowed to look where the doctor thought the bullet was. But not allowed to look. But not allowed to look other places. So if he would have moved to the other side of the body, he would have found the bullet and everybody would have said, oh, that's where it is, let's go get it. Instead, the doctor said, no, just look there. And he says, well, it doesn't show up. And the doctor said, well, your metal detector doesn't work. And it worked perfectly. It just, he wasn't allowed to look on the other side. 
I mean, this doctor was a real creep. <laughs> Do we have Garfield rolling over in his grave yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see, uh, what other... Uh, oh, the lake and the dull brown. That's one that always got me for a while. If it has red in it, it's the lake variety. If it doesn't have any red in it, it's the dull brown variety. That's the best one. However, there are some variances because brown is made out of red. But if it's a reddish stamp, it's the later First Bureau issue, printed by the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. And if it doesn't have red, if it's mostly brown, then it's the earlier one, which was printed by the American company. Was it American Banknote Company? I believe hmm. it was American. That's why we have Cash's Corrections. <laughs> So cool. So Lotar, you're here. Why don't you uh, tell us about what you were looking at? You were looking over at endemics stamps. Well, I I was perusing Afghanistan um, after I went through Spanish and Portuguese colonies. I was lucky to find a couple Russian stamps for my collection. I have been in the process of completing my childhood stamp collection by Minkus, which my dad gave me when I was eight years old. That had spaces for 55,000 stamps. All my friends had stamp collections at that time, and mine was the biggest album. <laughs> Up until about four years ago, I casually got stamps from the 10 cent uh, stamp piles at the end of the stamp show, but I started going after it seriously, and I've been having a ball. I've finally been able to put Never Hinged behind me. As a dedicated German collector, you know we're big on gum, yeah. and I don't care anymore, at least, <laughs> at least as far as my worldwide collection, and it has given me a sense of freedom that I'm really enjoying. And it has been a wonderful thing. I'm down to about, I haven't counted them, my Excel spreadsheet is down to 22 pages from 36. I suspect I have about 1,000 or 1,500 to go. Cool. What would you find in Afghanistan? I love Afghanistan. Well, oddly enough, I was in Afghanistan by, back in 1972. I spent a year and a half in Germany studying junior year abroad. I stuck out my thumb, and I made it all the way to Kabul. I, 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 spent, um, I spent a month there. I sat on the Buddha's head in the Bamiyan Valley, the one that the Taliban blew up. And at the time, I tell you what, I traveled throughout the country. Uh, I saw camel caravans, I saw oases, and I met an extraordinary amount of very friendly people. It was, uh, it was something that I will never forget, and I took photographs to prove it. And everybody was extraordinarily friendly. I never felt uh, as if I was in danger at any point, in spite of the fact that everybody who was traveling with me, and these were primarily Afghani citizens, were armed to the teeth. They had bandoliers, pistols, uh, automatic weapons. But they were on my side, <laughs> and I felt really good about it. It was a wonderful country. Very much, very much enjoyed it. And the fact of the matter is, I did go to the post office in 1972, and I bought a souvenir sheet commemorating the 1972 Olympics in Germany. And I tell you what, getting that back from Kabul, Afghanistan, to uh, the United States was extraordinarily difficult and took an enormous amount of effort. And I have that sheet to this day. There are no wrinkles. There are no gum disturbances. Catalog value, 
three dollars and fifty cents. But I bought it in Kabul, yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. But no, three dollars and fifty cents. One of my favorite sheets. I like it. Well, tell tell them about early Afghan stamps because I bought some that were pretty cool. Uh, well. Actually, when I was there, I did price some of the early Afghan stamps. They are primarily round. They have an image of a tiger on there, and they are canceled by tearing off a piece of the stamp. And uh, frankly, uh, even back then, in country, uh, some of these issues were quite valuable to the tune of fifty to hundred dollars a piece. My hotel room in the capital at the time was twenty-five cents a night. I was, I was living. That was with room service. I was living on roughly two dollars a day. So these prices were totally out of my budget, but they were available at the time, and they weren't cheap. Yeah. Well, I remember going to a dealer who didn't know, and he had a bunch of faulty Afghanistan stamps, and he said, uh, you know, here, like $10, it catalogs a bunch of money, but they're all faulty, and I bought it for $10, and of course, they're faulty because they're used. They, they tore pieces of the stamp apart, and that told the postmaster, don't accept this a second time. So my favorite, uh, and I collect Afghanistan, and as long as I've been collecting Afghanistan, the tiger issues, the round tigers, I have about eight of them. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I have an unused block of four that I'm pleased with. Oh. By the way, um, an expensive block of four. I'm given to understand, though, they, they took that corner out with their teeth. Now, that may be urban legend. Oh, really? <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure whether they did that before they put the stamp on or what, but uh, I've heard that they did it with their teeth, but I don't know. Another reason to use tongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the only issue where they destroyed the stamp when they used it on purpose. Yeah. So, Dave, you haven't said very much. What's your favorite stamp? My favorite stamp is uh, back of the book newspapers, the PR series. Oh, yes. And uh, I love the vignettes, so I like the uh, impressions. That... And you always carry your book with you to show people? I do. I um, have been listening to the podcast and have uh, stopped carrying my album around. <laughs> and uh, so that stays safe at home. And I make uh, color copies scans of my uh, of my album and I use Vario pages because my collection's always in flux and yeah. we've commented before on it that you and one other person have it down because you you make copies of it you can show people your stamps without putting your stamps at risk and I don't mean even by theft I mean just like somebody pouring coffee on it or something accidentally right. incredibly smart way to do it I'm going to do that. Yep. I should do that with my... Well, I have done it with my exhibit, but my exhibit changed so much that now all my pictures don't work. Is that the vignette there? Is that the same vignette they're using on some of the Canadian law stamps? Uh, it looks very similar, but it is different. Yeah, and, and Canada has some great uh, back of the book also for uh, not only their newspapers, but primarily their law stamps. Mm -hmm. Oh, they have great stamps all around. Gas meter stamps. Star Trek. <laughs> These facsimile stamps, were they printed in the United States or were some printed overseas? That I don't know. Um, I believe there are some that were printed uh, overseas. Those might be the phototypey uh, stamps. But uh, I also started collecting uh, the facsimiles 
because each time facsimile is printed, it's printed differently. And there's about eight different variations of facsimiles. Some have uh, uppercase, lowercase, some copy the uh, same color the stamp is printed in, some are printed in all black. It, it's The more you get into it, um, it's more disturbing because there's so many pathways you can, uh, you can go down. Is, it, well, is there one, uh, and I don't know if it's that stamp, but uh, in, uh, where it says Falsch in German? Yeah, there are some Falsch. Falsch. Uh, Falsch. Falsch. Yeah. Falsch. Yeah, pronounce it right. I seem to recall I have one, and I was, somehow I was given to understand it was printed in Germany. But. Yeah, and I also do the trial colors. So there's, mm. you know, just when you think you've got, you know, a great example of a stamp, you realize there's another nine different colors you can get it in. And you've got the Indian Maiden here? Indian Maiden uh, down below. I have uh -oh. it in uh, I have it in sepia. I've got it in... Is it, it okay in... if I pull out my magnifying glass? <laughs> One of the rarine, uh, black, dark caramel. Very popular because it's a topless girl on a U.S. stamp. <laughs> I think the only rarer stamp would be a camel on a U.S. stamp, and you know which one that is. Hold on, hold on, Hillary. Let me think, let me think. Um, More than one. Uh, the uh, Fort Bliss. Yeah, that's it. That's Fort it, Bliss. Fort Bliss. Yeah, there's like a triangular design, and there's yeah. little camels on there. And I think that was based on some camels that they had in yep. the Southwest for experimental purposes. Mm -hmm. Well, like beautiful, a, beautiful collection. There's only been one stamp with a banana on it. The banana split stamp that just came out. Oh, that's right. Yep. Sorry, Steve. I heard that's real appealing. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll cricket that. Uh-huh, please do. <laughs> yes. Steve is over at his table doing business. We'll go over there and get a hello from him later. When I was a kid in high school, I belonged, uh, not high school, actually fifth grade, I belonged to a stamp club. And uh, one afternoon, my teacher had a, a little sales session. And one of the things that I bought from him were some matching medicine and private dye propriety stamps, ones that I see here. This one looks familiar to me. And I learned something that day. It took me 20 years to learn it, but here it was. The stamps that I paid five cents for, 20 years later, 50 years later, are still worth five cents. Now, the stamps I paid 25 cents for, which was my weekly allowance, those stamps became worth $20. Yeah. The lesson in stamps, and the lesson also in jewelry and gems, is that if you buy something cheap, and you, and you figure it's gonna increase in value, probably won't, it'll probably stay cheap. But if you buy something dear, which at the time was 25 cents, then you had a chance of increasing in value. Yeah, give them all a real quickie, uh, who, what do you do? Oh, I'm a 40-year uh, a jeweler. I own a business in Huntington Beach. I uh, sell diamonds. However, I'm also a bench jeweler, diamond setting, diamond setter, goldsmith, and platinum smith. I've been making jewelry for a long time. My partner and I are pretty good at it. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm wearing and a purse. And I have customers right here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Dave, why don't you give them a plug, too? What do you do? Sure. I'm a college professor at Cal State Fullerton. I teach in the visual arts department. My alma mater. I just retired uh, from uh, Santiago Canyon College. I taught part-time over there for 37 years. I was the department chair of the gemology program. I taught introductory and advanced colored stones, and I gave my final, final exam two weeks ago. Yep. 
Stan, why don't you reintroduce yourself and tell everybody, just in case somebody needs a skylight put into their uh, multi-million-dollar hotel. <laughs> okay. I'm Stan Iceland, and I've uh, been involved in engineered structures for the last uh, 40 years. In the last 25, sp focusing on uh, a large uh, skylight uh, structures, in particular, like a lot of the casinos in Vegas, the airports, and LA museums. So. We do not have a skylight in our house. My <laughs> so, so in Las Vegas, you did the Bellagio? The Bellagio, the okay. Grand Slam Canyon, the Mirage, the... Uh, so when you go to Las wind, Vegas... You see most of our skylight. Work. And you see a skylight. You'll go, that was done by a stamp collector. Yeah, that was done by Super Sky, and I'm their representative for Southern California and... Um, Southern, Calif uh, uh, Southern California and Southern Nevada. And by the way, for many years, uh, Roy Delafoss, who is uh, a stand Shout out to Ray. Uh, uh, Ray, Roy, Roy, Roy is down in uh, Georgia, was uh, mm -hmm. involved in the skylight business too. Yep. He did the Puerto Rico Convention Center. Very impressive. And much and many others. In the middle of something. Well, anybody have any last words? Otherwise, this is the petering out section. <laughs> no? Okay. Looks like we're going to end abruptly then. We're ending abruptly? Yes. Catwoman, you're right on time. I'm rare. In more ways than that. I'm glad you decided to surrender. We would have caught you eventually. Do you think so? Certainly, there's no escaping the inexorable law of justice. Shall we go? Must we? So soon? I thought that, well, you know... Perhaps we might get to know each other a little better. I would think that we know each Thank other you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. I'm not afraid of you, Catwoman. I'm, I'm, uh, you're very beautiful, Catwoman. Yes, you're quite right. I am. Your propinquity could make a man forget himself. I don't know what that means, but it sure sounds nice. I refer to the nearness of you. Batman! Let's throw caution to the winds. I mean, after all...